Hallo und willkommen zu einer sehr speziellen Edition von Beyond the INC, dem Podcast mit den vielen versteckten Talenten. You know, we really are getting very close to the main events of 2010. Uh, the release of Keane's new 8-track EP Night Train is now weeks rather than months away, and the anticipation levels amongst the fans are getting dangerously high. We're excited too, you know. So to celebrate the release of the EP, we put together a series of very special podcasts that you'll be able to download over the next few weeks. Now, um, just before we start, in the interest of full disclosure, I think Chris and I need to come clean and say that we have actually listened to the record itself. Yeah, we were given a copy of the EP by Tim last time we welcomed him onto the podcast. Uh, so we've had the chance to give it the attention that we think it really deserves. And honestly, we do know how lucky we are, uh, to the point that we're almost embarrassed to say. Um, and we'll be reviewing the EP in a forthcoming podcast. So, for the first in our special Night Train series, we spoke to Richard about his thoughts on music, drumming and farming, six years on from that fateful spring when he and his friends shot to fame. Beyond the Wait for me to finish chewing as well. <laughs> are we on? We are on. And we're just we're filling time while uh, Andrew finishes chewing the brownie. It's just so good. I'm going to savour it. I uh... good. Mm. Can we lose the phrase chewing the brownie? <laughs> 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 I don't sound like that. a bit of a euphemism. I don't isn't want it? that isolated by you guys, clipped into a soundbite and then replayed <laughs> at random points during your podcast for the next fifty episodes. Although no, somehow we'll, we'll it seems it we'll inevitable we'll now. Place together a sentence with brownie in it, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on. So the forest tour that we know about. Yes. Um, obviously, looking forward to that. Good. Um, what else are you going to do this year, or is that it? We're going to do some other things. I'm not sure what's been announced yet, but we are going to do some other stuff. Um, a lot of it genuinely is still sort of in the process of being organised and finalised, but I'm anticipating a trip to America or two and some European stuff, but I don't think we'll be going further afield than North America and Europe, basically. Um, sadly, because we do love you know traveling, but nevertheless we we don't want to end up being away for another eighteen months because we we really want to get on towards you know making another record that hopefully mm. would come out in the first half of next year. This is just going to be a summer a summer fling, yeah, basically just a a bit of a you know holiday slash tour over over the sort of sunny period of the summer mm. We haven't had a, a summer sort of at home for a very long time and, you know, I appreciate that most people have to go to work, you know, when it's sunny outside, but we, you know, it'll be nice to be at home for yeah. for a bit of time. Um, have we got anything else planned? No. no. Literally nothing. I mean, Tim's studio is coming along nicely, so, you know, we've I've been down there a few times already and... Um, I think that's going to be it's going to be great to be able to just pop round and do a bit of recording at his house and uh you know that conti hopefully continue the sort of quite casual way we made the night train you know that's that's definitely a I don't know a potential way forward for for making the next album 
You've already got the barn. I mean, is that just uh, is Tim's just mainly so he can just mess around in the middle of the night and things? <laughs> yeah, well, we don't actually have the barn anymore. All oh, right, um, that um, basically we never owned it. Um, we just leased it, and uh, um, I guess moving forward, the idea. Well, there wasn't much of a, a sort of plan. There never is, but you know. The fact is, Tim's sort of building a studio that's really good in his house, and uh, we're hoping that that could could do the things of the the barn in the future. Is that loud? No, no, no. I was, I was more sort of imagining, you know, the 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 bit from Witness where they're putting the barn together. It's just like Tim assembling, assembling <laughs> the right. studio. Just you know, <laughs> a pair of jeans and one of those belts with hammers and things hanging off it, and. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's pretty much like that. Mm. But it, I guess the, the idea is then you'll have a studio that you can go into any time you want, and That's it's yours in perpetuity. It's Tim's in perpetuity, to be honest. But yeah, that you know, it's it's set up to be you know to be usable. So you know, that's the idea. It's the dream, really, of any musician. I mean, I've got a room up at my little farm where. Um, I can just play the drums and uh you know that's it doesn't really get any better than that as for a musician apart from having a studio so yeah Tim's got the uh got the right idea Tim does have now an awful lot of other projects on the go it seems you know he's yeah. sort of you know do you think this you know Keen is going to be one of those things that will have to be put to one side while he does other things in future I think Keen is always Tim's priority really but when we're not doing things you know obviously he and jesse wanted to make this record that you know the mount desolation thing which sounds great by the way i've heard two or three tracks from that um and um and then you know the songwriting with other people is you know tim's just a very creative guy that you know he wants to always be you know writing songs and i think it's an interesting sort of challenge to be writing songs in a different style or for a different voice and uh so i i always feel like you know he's he's thinking about keen even when he's writing other things you know but um it's it's just something he loves doing he's you know he's just you know uh doesn't really think about much apart from writing songs and making music which is you know probably the thing above all that's that's driven Keen to where we are now mm. it always seems like he's having a busman's holiday doesn't it and he's mm. just doing whatever he... <laughs> but then if you love what you do then yeah. doing it isn't you know isn't work obviously you've heard some of the, the material that he's recorded with this this other project um, does he often come you know perhaps come up with with material or songs that he'll play to you or maybe you know maybe that he will keep to one side and think you know that's it's not right for either you know tom's voice or my voice or for our instrumentation and then take it away to to other people i mean yeah that does happen i mean you know he'll he's written some stuff i mean i think an early incarnation of early winter was like that you know it was written sort of as a a keen thing and then you know i think he and Gwen did some work on it together and you know it it, it sort of tu- you know turned into a you know a Gwen song um but yeah it, it's it happens all kinds of ways you know there's there's so many things that Tim's written you know pieces and bits and bobs that suddenly you'll remember a, a song from you know 10 years ago that he wrote and think actually that was quite good and and you know bring it back and have a go at it for 
um, you know, for for a new a new Keen song or whatever. Mm. Have there ever been any times when you've heard some of these other these other songs and thought, you know, obviously, you know, on one hand, you might be proud for your, you know, proud for your 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 friends doing very well with this music, but thought, you know, gosh, I wish I'd played on this, or I wish I'd been a, I wish this had been something that I could have been a part of because I, I I think musically this is, a, you know, something that's that's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely things that, I mean, talking about early winter, I I love that song. I think it's a brilliant song, and um, you know, I kind of. Yeah, I, in a way, I sort of wish we had been able to do the backing track for it. But you know, it's it's great with Gwen singing it, and you know, it was produced under the sort of production for that album, so it works in that way. You know, it's um, but I don't know, I, I don't get too hung up about things like that, to be honest. You've toured America extensively, and you often write about um, American politics on your Twitter. Um, but what do you make of the country in uh, in 2010? I'm definitely, I, I, I definitely, the more I travel, the more I love America, but also the the less like America it seems to be getting, certainly in places, you know, when you have to put a sign up in a shop in Salt Lake City, in a jewellery shop, saying no concealed weapons please then i sort of think that the handgun debate needs to be had you know i I, it's 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 pretty i mean it's taken as read in the uk that you'd probably best not taking a concealed weapon into a jewelry shop you know or that people are going to think the wrong thing so i i don't know I, i i absolutely love america and i i don't like to see it you know it's a great it's a great people always say it's a great idea and you know it's it's difficult i think american politics is in a in an incredibly polarized state from what i can see and from what i read and um you know and a lot of the stuff that i tend to be concerned with is sort of human rights based or grounded in human rights which is something that the more you know i don't know if it's just getting older or what but the the more i read about it the more concerned i get about things whether it's the death penalty or you know torture which obviously our government was involved in you know then you know i i just i don't know i i do i do see history judging this this period potentially as quite a dark period Mm. even though you know we're we're distracted by things like the you know the olympic games and the world cup football and all this sort of as as charlie brooker would say look at the shiny shiny or whatever yeah. you know and uh you know ignore ignore everything else but yeah i i just worry that we're in a bit of a dark period in history and i th- i think that's one of the things that you know sometimes a theme that goes through some of Tim, tim's lyrics actually you know things like is it any wonder um definitely you know and a bad dream are definitely you know slightly sort of haunted by those ideas mm. is there any sort of cause for optimism what what, what makes you optimistic <laughs> very little um beth smiling again the um the sunshine um yeah i don't know i th- i think what i mean there's there's a lot of difficult things you know the the idea that the internet is you know the the access to free and uncensored access to information is in itself sort of endangered on a few you know 
fronts is is pretty dangerous you know it's pretty dangerous and and pretty scary for me because i think it's it's actually things like the internet that allow people to communicate in new ways that you know whether it's from listening to things like democracy now which is a podcast i listen to or um you know just being able to read uncensored blogs and articles and you know listen to a podcast about whatever you like whether it's a you know politics or a band or a football club or whatever you know that that is your choice to make at the moment and there is a chance that that won't always be the case so the optimism comes from those blogs existing but the pessimism comes from the idea that there are people out there who are trying to work out how they can control what you get to see Mm. i mean look at six music for Mm. for example which is you know unquestionably a good thing for for music in this country Mm. and um no disrespect meant to the other radio stations but as far as i'm concerned the more variety of music you've got access to the better um and it's you know a lot of people have had a thing about the bbc for a while that you know it costs too much or whatever you know their the bbc website needs to be smaller or you know all this i i don't know i i'm not sure i agree i think that you know sometimes you it's a difficult time for newspapers it's a difficult time for journalism and you know i think there is an argument for a certain amount of public funding for important things like journalism so yeah i don't know it's it's a dark time for for the um the uninitiated we well we we've been running I don't know, perhaps a slightly patronising feature like the last sort of, uh, couple of podcasts. We've been doing this um, a sort of almost like semi-educational kind of thing to, you know, um, introduce some, some people to, to, to hip-hop and, um, you know, just sort of playing sort of like little bits and seeing, you know, telling people, you know, if they like this, you know, you, know, you might like such and such or whatever. Um, do you have any suggestions, you know, of... of if you're going to say to someone, you know, if you you have to go out there and take three records, three records that would show you sort of a different side, you know, that sort of that sort of side of music, um, you know, what would you recommend? That's that's a good question. Um, I would definitely include 2001, um, which is Dr. Dre's sort of most famous, I guess, probably album um well i don't know people might argue with that um and um i mean i you you mentioned jay-z earlier i'm a huge jay-z fan and um i really like basically all of his music (laughs) so um i mean the the most recent album the blueprint three i think is really good it's i mean i love that empire state of mind song um you know i think that's pretty amazing um so uh you know i'd say that or maybe the black album is probably you know the one of the things that he's most famous for but um i don't know did you see him at glastonbury because i i wasn't there i didn't go but did you see him what what was it like in Um, you know in in the room in the (laughs) field um i think the fact that he he clearly wants to come out and make a really big impact um because per- personally, I would have saved ninety nine problems for a little bit later. But I guess if you want to come out and make a really big impact, yeah, um, I really enjoyed the show. Um, I, I kind of thought it was shorter than I expected it to, and a lot of people were expecting collaborations and things yeah. that were, would draw them into the show. But basically, what he did was just do a straight up, just do a straight up flat out show of his own. Yeah, um, 
and I think you know when you've got material as strong as he's got, then yeah, you know he, he was able to hold a a sceptical crowd for an hour and a half, headlining yeah. like you know to ninety thousand people, which is yeah, um, just a real skill. And I can remember like these um, right in the middle of the show, and we were, you know we were sort of about halfway back in the field. These two girls came up off this this um, path. And like started talking to my friend, they were asking, you know, has anyone, you know, we we were told to come and see if people had been throwing bottles at him and stuff like that, and um, and I don't know, I had a bit of a, I had a bit of a go at them because he was playing <laughs> such a good show that, um, I, yeah, yeah, I basically had a bit of a go at these 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 girls, but clearly people have been expecting that reaction to yeah. occur, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't see anyone anyone behaving like that whatsoever yeah. but ev- everyone enjoyed the show and that was when it got the five star ratings that it did sort of in the newspapers the next day they were fully you know they were fully deserved it wasn't just sort of you know journalists wanting to hype it up a bit it was yeah. it was genuinely a fantastic show yeah I mean I was I, I didn't I didn't go to Glastonbury but I I did you know make a point of making sure I watched as much of it as I could from where I was and um it did look spectacular and i know what you mean about that you know there is a a tendency to sort of shorten songs when performing them live certainly i've noticed with jay-z you know he tends to do abridged versions of songs Mm -hmm. which which can kind of a bit like i don't know keeping it in the family i suppose when beyonce does her sort of destiny's child sort of um you know a little a few songs linked together what's that called medley a medley that's right um and you know you actually you get into the song just in time for it to you know to finish or whatever and you get into the next you know Mm. the next one and and so that i can see that i don't know if it was you know a a rock band they'd probably double the length of a song rather than halving it yeah which is a a bit unglastonbury i guess is what i'm trying to say but uh, but that's you know that's him and that i thought it was it looked amazing and his band are just so ridiculously mm. amazingly awesome i've you know they're just a powerhouse it's it's amazing i think that that was what really sort of blows you away when you see his because I, I got to see him again when he played with coldplay at wembley right um and what really like you know watching the the the, the you know, sorry, I'm I'm moving away from the microphone in my enthusiasm. You know, you, you watch the the drumming and you realise that like everything is coming out of a live band. It's not, you know, it's not you know a drum machine at the back and um you know stuff being played off loops or whatever. It's yeah. it's actually being played in front of your eyes. It's yeah. Um, it's that you know it is pretty awesome. It's the same with we did a TV show somewhere in was it in Spain or Portugal? I think it was in Spain, and Beyonce was on it. And, and during the sound check. I was I happened to be sort of get, walking behind the stage and you could and even though she was playing to a tape because they didn't it was a TV it was an awards show or something and mm. and the, they didn't have time to get, to set up all the gear but the band were nevertheless sort of miming and the the drum kit was unmuted but you know so you could hear and the drummer was playing exactly what was on the track and it was just the most amazing display of drumming and and they were doing it even though they didn't need to because it was to, it it wasn't being broadcast and it was completely phenomenal just note perfect and uh yeah so that yeah the american sort of session musicians do blow me away it's completely amazing oh well, we haven't given you a third album i was giving you three hip hop albums yeah. About, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah about sorry. half an hour ago <laughs> okay um <laughs> well i mean obviously i've mentioned 
our love of Kanye West and um, you know I, I would say 808s and Heartbreak is an amazing record the the way that he's used I mean one of the things that I've always said that I love about hip hop is the ability to make so little in the in terms of the number of instruments or percussion or whatever go such a long way and and Kanye did it on 808s and Heartbreak by tuning a lot of percussion so the 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 percussion or the drums themselves would also be the musical backing so they they would almost be in chords um and that is such a simple thing to do and yet it's you know it, it's genius so I, I love that record. Um, I think it's a brilliant record. So if if that's your beginner's guide, they're hardly sort of obscure records, but mm. you know they're they're great. So you know that's a pretty good place to start. Mm. The thing is, I think there's also look at it from the other direction. If you were going to say to you know someone, oh, I'm not really into you know not really into my rock, you know proper bands, you know what what should be like my first three records to go out and buy. You know, you'd really struggle to think of three that would really cover it. You know, it's, yeah, um, it's a really tough one to to go with. But I mean, those those three, I think, would be. I mean, certainly, I, you know how much I love two thousand and one. It's um, they sound so good loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, they sound so good loud. Um, actually, it's one of those things. Like whenever I um, whenever I have to like drive back from somewhere late at night, it's one of those like a really good album to have in the car that you can play. You know, it's. Um. <laughs> there is the percussion outside. There's some kind of drum and bass nonsense going on outside. And there's this for for anyone listening in America, there's a policeman riding down the road on a horse. For those of you who think we're backwards here in England, we're. Uh, can you hear that? <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> Literally with a stick with which to stop criminals. <laughs> I, I do. I love it round here. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Oh God! Um, Hysterical. I, I just wanted to talk about the your farm, Richard. <laughs> Okay, because uh, I don't know if you listened to the whole thing we did with uh, Tim, you know, fully. But he said you were—I uh, think it was—shearing um, sheep and wrestling bears. Is that—is that accurate? <laughs> shearing sheep and wrestling bears. No, I've—I have sort of rescued the odd sheep that's got stuck in a fence. But no, there's a there, there's a couple of fields around where I live, and a local farmer has some sheep that graze the fields. Um, but that's it. I don't really get. It's not you know they're not mine and uh you know i'm veggie so <laughs> i'd probably just give them names and turn them into pets and then they live indoors um no i i it's just a place i can sort of get away to in the middle of nowhere so it's it's a you know it's i'm incredibly lucky to have a, a place i can just disappear off to but london gets a bit much sometimes you think you're more of a, a rural person generally I think we I think we all have the instinct to sort of flee to the countryside, you know. Um it's where we grew up and uh I think the the pace of life suits us a bit more. You know, the same reason, you know, we didn't go to the Brits, you know. It's like in it, given the option <laughs> we'll we'll go to the pub with some friends or whatever rather than, you know, having to get doled up keeping with the the sort of the rural theme you you really um you seem to be really into your your climbing these days yes 
Are you? Um, um, I've been climbing for about three or four years now. It's just a fun thing. It's the only exercise I get really. Does that mean you've got cycling? Sort of, you know, huge, hugely muscular arms. I don't know. Does it look like it? Not you, really. You look ripped. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm getting stronger slowly. It's it's a fun thing to do. It really forces you to think of nothing else. Um, and it's yeah, it's really good exercise. And um, I don't know. I just really like it. I don't know what it is. I've never liked competitive sports, and it's just one of those things that's really positive so mm. yeah i like it it's a very social thing to do as well really enjoyable well, what else do you do apart from you know the climbing and the bouldering and playing the drums what else do i do i don't know i read quite a lot um that's about it i don't know I try and catch up with people touring takes you away from the the normal you know social interactions that most people have so trying to just catch up with people is what i do when i'm not on tour don't know, do I do anything else? You get back from touring and you forget what you used to do. So <laughs> I don't do much climbing when we're on tour because it's a bit, you know, a bit hazardous. Yeah, you can't really risk a broken wrist or something when you've got a gig to play that night. Um, are you actually enjoying them this year, this year off so far? Because it's, you know, it's been five months since the last sort of official band engagement you know in terms of obviously I mean promotion and things you've got to do but I mean in terms of like playing like a live show to a paying audience it's a good it is about five months now isn't it yeah it was the end of October wasn't it I said that's, that's three and a bit months then well I mean yeah I, I am enjoying it you know it's um I was just saying to Beth off off tape that um you know you do start to miss all your crew and you know it does become quite a touring family and you do end up sort of i don't know it is strange when you sort of say see you in a couple of weeks or whatever at you know at an airport and you each get in different trains and taxis and connecting flights to different places but uh yeah it's you know it's i do um keep in touch with people you know from the crew when we're not touring but um yeah it's it's nice having a bit of time at home it's just feels like real life you know i think you have to tim always says that he feels you have to have a bit of an experience of real life to then be able to write about it you know there are already many albums about what it's like being on the road and being in the back of a tour bus and traveling mm. down you know route 66 or whatever and and I think there's truth in that. It is important to reconnect with, you know, reality and see what's going on in the world and just to sit back for a while. So, yeah, it's nice being at, being at home, you know, seeing your friends and that. Mm. And when you're when you're back in, well, I guess off to, I was going to say when you're back in London, but, you know, you're not always yeah. in London. Um, did you have, like, a band office where you go and sort of check in on things? Or Well, the barn used to be our sort of headquarters. No, there isn't really a an office I guess the closest we have is our manager's office um, or Tim's studio but you know we tend to just sort of meet up wherever we happen to be I've just got little little sort of bits and pieces questions so should we go through some of those yeah yeah go, go ahead and then we'll be whatever you need oh, cool um we saw there were some models commissioned for the Perfect Symmetry artwork of, of you all in sort of life size. Yes. What's happened to those? We, we saw the Tim one. Tim's is in his studio. Yeah. And mine and Tom's are 
in their boxes in a storage unit in Birmingham. <laughs> um, I don't really know why. Um, we haven't really got anywhere to put them, and they're quite big. They are sort of life size. Have you ever seen them sort of in the flesh? No, because this is, this was the thing they were sort of featuring the artwork, and you said, "Oh, you'll be seeing a lot more of them," but we yeah, never got around to it. And then nothing. We're still right. waiting. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you probably find that a lot with Keen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. We were thinking of taking them around, but I think the logistics of that got a bit complicated. Um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with them, to be honest. They're, we'll probably just forget about them, and then in 10 years' time, someone will open the box and get the fright of their life. Because <laughs> they are a bit like coffins. Yeah, they they are slightly bigger than life size, so they're they're quite right. terrifying. Um, mine got its hand broken off at some art fair in London and glued back on. So um, it's all I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to them. You'll probably find them on eBay. Bethel, yeah, Bethel that's right. Beth's eBay. Yeah. No, uh, to be honest, I thought it would be the kind of um, I thought it was being trailed as though they'd be sort of part of the set as you were touring. I think. Yeah, we thought about that as well, um, but they're actually they're sort of they're not quite big enough to have much of an effect. I think if you were not in the front row, you'd probably be like, "Why aren't they why moving? Are those people <laughs> standing there?" <laughs> that, that one on his head must be getting a bit dizzy. Um, yeah, it would be a bit difficult. I think they're quite valuable, so. Um, it was a bit hard to sort of just chuck them on a stage every night. I think we'd end up ruining them. Yeah. Um, have you? Um, how can I put this? What is it? Oh God! What is it? <laughs> no, no, I was just. I was just. <laughs> You're just tactically, <laughs> politely. <laughs> when are you going to make another record like Horse and Fears? If only so many journalists were just up front and just say that. So you're experimenting again. Yeah. Why? When will you realise? <laughs> <laughs> All anyone wants is. No. What, what I was just going to ask is: uh, Have you had any sort of ideas of musical endeavours of your own? Because you know Tim's doing his own thing a little bit, and Tom's obviously got a solo album in progress. Oh, it's been t- you know Tim's been saying he's been writing songs for forever, but not actually doing anything with them. Yeah, I mean, he's Tom's definitely got some songs you know that he's written and that are good, and you know one of these days will, I'm sure, come to light. Um, no, I mean, I, I I enjoy playing the drums with Keen. I enjoy doing the odd show with Jesse, and um, you know, I've I've done a little bit of drumming on you know the odd bit for Tom as well you know with his songs um just you know as he's demoing things um but no it's it i the 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 richard solo album isn't due anytime soon although ringo made a country album i think ringo's got a new album out as well has he called why not Well, we'll soon discuss <laughs> we'll whether soon there's an out. answer to that question, won't we? <laughs> Basically, the ultimate title for a Ringo album. <laughs> that is. I think plenty of people could answer the question. Um, <laughs> Poor Ringo. That's mean. No, he's such a hero. I've got an mm. amazing photo of Ringo in my house. A Bob Whitaker photo mm. of him at the, at the drums. It's absolutely amazing. Who are your other drum heroes, then? Who do you look up to? Ooh... Do you remember the Blue Tones? Yes. 
They, their drummer, Ed Chesters, was a huge influence on me. I think he's amazing. Um, I've been to see them numerous times. Um, yeah, his... his um, what was their... Their first album was called Expecting to Fly, and the drumming on that record, I think, is really, really great. He treads the fine line between, you know, playing a lot and playing very musically and I think he's amazing um, I've I've, you know waxed lyrical about Jason McGurr's drumming from Death Cab for Cutie he's, and he also drums on the Tegan and Sarah records at the moment um, I think he's absolutely brilliant um, I really like Ronnie Venucci's playing for The Killers I think that's really central to what makes their sound you know and drives their songs along mm. I think he's especially live to watch him playing to you know a, a show with them is is really a wonderful thing he's so emphatic and mm. expressive it's really you know really inspiring there's a real charisma to the way that he drums oh it's yeah it's magical he's so energetic and you know because especially because you know it works quite well with you know i mean obviously brandon's on the move but you know that they're, they're a relatively static band you know just playing you know playing and playing well and playing hard um but ronnie's just you know moves more than the rest of them put together some nights um it's really wonderful to watch um the guy that plays for paul mccartney is a guy called abe laboreal jr he is a powerhouse i sat behind his kit once um and he plays like a 26 inch kick drum which for those of you who aren't you know drummers is is like a massive kick drum because he's like this enormous powerful guy and he just sort of hits the crap out of his drums but incredibly tastefully and i think he could turn his hand to anything and be good at it um who else um oh i was god uh well speaking of sitting behind the kit larry from u2 i think he's he's amazing he was one of the people that first inspired me to sit behind the drum kit and his the way he plays is very tasteful and very it's very elegant and very subtle and quite often you know his you'll almost not notice what he's doing but subconsciously it's the thing that's making you know that the chorus is coming or whatever and you'll hardly know why but you'll know it and and i think he's brilliant so when we toured with them you know getting to sit behind his kit and talk with him about you know his kind of stuff is was pretty amazing you still feel like you're learning yeah, absolutely. I th- I think drummers are <laughs> drummers are weird. You can you can basically watch any other drummer, however good or bad or whatever whatever style of music, and you will always learn something. You know, and and I don't know. It's probably like if you were a kid who was a goalkeeper and you went to see a football match, you'd probably just watch the goalkeeper most of the time. And it's the same if you're a drummer. You tend to sort of occasionally glance at the singer and the guitarist and the pianist or whatever, but most of the time you're just looking at the drummer, watching what they do. Another guy who I think is amazing is Phil Selway from Radiohead. I think, you know, he's he's had quite a well-documented sort of... I don't know, he he didn't play for a long time I think between OK Computer and Kid A I think it was he just didn't play the drums for like nine months and really wasn't sure if he wanted to carry on doing it and and yet because I think it's so f- sort of from the heart with him but but it's still really interesting I, you know, I, I think you can always tell when bands talk a lot about the rhythm side of things a song like Broken Toy was was a uh, a beat that was programmed by Tim who is not a drummer 
even though he can play a reasonable beat you know he he's not a drummer and he just programmed this thing and then i had to kind of look at it and think god you know how the hell am i going to play this and work out a way to play it and i was sitting down with my drum tech scott and work, you know we were like okay you know sh- what are the different options for playing this this random beat that's just been programmed in a computer and i and i think you can tell sometimes radiohead songs have been done like that and then phil turns them into drum parts and that's incredible the way he does that is really inspiring so yeah i i listen to radiohead records you know constantly for the drumming it's brilliant have you ever been tempted to bring in more um uh artificial um drum parts in addition to your own playing because that's something that i've having seen um phil selway play um something like um 15 step where you know he starts off the drum machine then starts playing along to it himself well i guess we did that with you haven't told me anything with the uh the live version of that Mm. um which you know is fun it's fun to do it's quite difficult to do but it's fun to do um but yeah i mean that kind of stuff is all up for grabs for you know going forward that that's one of the things you know is exciting there are so many things we haven't sort of tried um that you know are still out there to be done so there you have it you'll be hearing more from our chat with richard in the coming weeks as our series of night train podcasts continues We'd really love to know what you think about Night Train so far after, you know, a few tracks have been released now. You've heard, pretty heard about half of it. So if you have something you want to tell the world about Stop for a Minute, Clear Skies or My Shadow, get onto our Twitter at twitter.com slash beyondinc or email us at mailbox at beyondtheinc.com. That's pretty good. So until next time from Beyond the INC, it's goodbye.